Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see so many of you out this morning. Can I invite you to open up your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29? You turn there, that would be great. There should be some Bibles that are on your seat. We're going to be continuing today through our summer teaching series, Dreams of the Future. This coming week is week five of Habits of the Home. And so we're going to be asking ourselves this week with our families, when it comes to our communities, our streets, our neighborhoods, and our neighbors, what is it that God sees? What is God doing in our communities? Uh, And what is he doing as he builds his kingdom in the places in which we live? But I guess also, what does it look like for us to join in, to partner with him, to partner with his dream for our neighborhoods today? So with all that in mind, can I invite us to stand together for the reading of God's word? Let's stand together. Jeremiah 29 forms a letter that was written by the prophet Jeremiah. He heard from the Lord. He was based in Jerusalem, but he wrote to the exile community in Babylon. And this is what he said, Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 4. Come, Holy Spirit. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. This is the word of the Lord given to us so that we may know the love of the Father, may practice the way of the Son and be filled over and over and over again by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? I am as local as they get. I was born five minutes that way, was raised five miles that way, and I now live five minutes that way. I think it's hard to tell in a room with no windows, so, but I think that's the right directions. Um, while I grew up in and around Lisburn, I always imagined that I would grow up and out of Lisburn, that I would never, ever settle here. In my early 20s, I was looking to do some further study, and I remember standing in front of a map of the world and asking God prayerfully, God, would you send me anywhere? Just get me out of Northern Ireland. And in his grace and in his mercy, he sent me to South South Belfast to study um, for the next couple of years. Thanks, God. Um, For a bunch of years, 
Emma and I lived in East Belfast. We loved it there. Uh, it was such a great community around us. Our best mates literally lived across the street. Um, but God started to unexpectedly draw us back towards Lisburn, back to the town that we grew up in and around. And truthfully, whenever we were moving back here, Emma and I were having conversations with ourselves, asking ourselves, are we taking backward steps here? Are we now homebirds? There's a whole world out there, but why are we returning so close to home? Now, we love Lisburn. We've been living here for six years. We've laid down some really deep roots. Honestly, we couldn't imagine ourselves living anywhere else. It's the city for life, right? We all moved in, and it's been amazing to do that. But even now, six years later, because I don't use social media, because, you know, it's, it's awful, um, I am still addicted to my phone, though. And there is one app that I am particularly addicted to, and it's Property Pal. I love Property Pal, honestly. I, like, I am so settled. We love our little house. We, we absolutely love it. We're not planning to move anytime soon. It is perfect for Emma, Elle, and I. But we are just so nosy. We can't help ourselves. We're like, what's out there? What would it be like to live in Fermanagh or in Bangor or wherever? Now, I'm as local as they get, right? But every once in a while, there is this unsettled feeling that just kind of creeps up on me. Is the grass greener over there, wherever there may be? I wonder what life is like in that city or in that town or in that country. And while I am so incredibly settled here, I do find myself at times being curious about other places. And in my curiosity, I find that I'm actually not fully throwing myself into the place in which I already live. And I know that I'm not alone. We live in an age that is marked by hypermobility. We're more mobile than we've ever been before. It is easier more than ever before in human history for us just to pack up our things and to move anywhere that we want to. Through our technology, we are just as connected to people halfway across the world than we are to people halfway down our street. We can remote work from absolutely anywhere in the world. And so this unsettled feeling It is very normal for us, particularly for those of us who have grown up in an age of tech. We find ourselves constantly unsettled, tempted by transience. It all sounds great, right? And yet, so often, the driver behind this desire to move to another place, it isn't just an itch for experience. So often, it comes from a desire for fulfillment, a deep longing to live a rich and fruitful life. We think that our restlessness will be solved by our rootlessness. We think that we will be free from any home ties and life will be perfect. That the cure for this sense of unfulfillment is to move to a new place and to start all over again. We believe that the more that we move, the more that we're free, then the more significant our lives become. But today, as we take a few minutes just to open up the scriptures, I want to encourage us to see that perhaps the most significant thing that we can do with our lives is to stay, to stay in a place and to stay in it for the long haul. In the way of the kingdom and not just the spirit of our modern age, we find that significance often comes from staying and giving your life away for the good of the people that live around you right now. To talk about it, I want to discuss a story about a man that was possessed by a legion of demons. 
Now, after calming a storm, Jesus continues to sail across the lake to an area called the Gerasenes. And as he steps ashore, a demon-possessed man who was completely in the nip approaches him. Now, please stick with me with this story, right? This man, he was raised in a town that was close by, but he no longer lived there. He didn't live in a home. Instead, he lived in a graveyard, in a non-place. He lived amongst the tombs. And look at we find that demons had led him to live in solitary places, as Luke would write. And Jesus, miraculously, but also on trend for Jesus, he delivers this man and he casts the demons out of him and casts them into a herd of pigs who then run into the lake and drown themselves. Word gets out about this miracle. And people from all across the town and all across the surrounding region come looking for this man And they find him sat at the feet of Jesus, completely at peace, dressed, thank goodness. And he was a completely sound mind. Everyone apart from this man and Jesus, they start to freak out. And they ask Jesus to leave. And kind of obediently, he gets up and he walks back towards the boat. But as he steps onto the boat, this formerly possessed man runs towards him. He says, Jesus... Can I come with you? Please take me with you. Can I leave this place? Now, this is Jesus we're talking about. Jesus who calls many by saying, come and follow me. I'm going there. Why don't you come with me? But here in Luke's gospel, we find the first moment that Jesus doesn't ask someone to follow him. Instead, he sends the man back to the place that he grew up and says this, return home and tell how much God has done for you. For years, this man had lived an unstable, unsettled, unrooted life. He was wandering from place to place, frantically on the move. And yet, whenever the kingdom of heaven rushes in and radically transforms his life, Jesus invites him to stay, to settle, to be rehomed back at home. With such a transformation, with the embarrassment of his previous life, to now being delivered from all of that, the most obvious thing would be for this man to go, to find new pastures, to find a new place to live. But this moment shows us that Jesus is saying to him, your freedom isn't found somewhere new. Your freedom and your fulfillment, everything that you have been longing for, it is found in staying. It is found in building a home back home. This crazy story, it speaks in a little way to the shape of modern living. Because so often we can find ourselves either living or thinking or dreaming like the Gerasian demoniac. Living this rootless life, living in non-places all of the time, moving from place to place, whether it's in real life or in our imaginations. We idolize impermanence, right? And because of that, we never truly throw the weight of our lives behind the local. We're always holding out for the upgrade. And so we never go all in, rooting ourselves in our neighborhoods and seeking to be a blessing within them. We can get so caught up in thinking that freedom comes from going somewhere new and leaving our lives behind. When in fact, Jesus, our deliverer, he so often invites us to return back home. Friends, I've got a hunch that our freedom, our joy, our purpose, our sense of fulfillment, it is not always found there. 
It is so often to be lived into right here. Fruitful trees have really deep roots. Where there are no roots, there will be no fruit. And that is why St. Benedict of Nursia, whenever he was writing to young monks who were looking to move into the Benedictine order, to join monasteries, to develop really good ways of living a life that would be well lived, he wanted them to get the basics sorted first. And so he says this, Maddie, it's going to appear on the screen. With Christ's help, Benedict would say, keep this little rule for beginners. The monk makes these promises in the presence of all. Stability conversion of life and obedience. Notice the order, right? Benedict would call his apprentices to take what is known as a vow of stability. And through this vow, they would commit to living a deep-rooted life, committing to one place for a long time. Through this vow, they would devote their lives to the service of that local place, serving it, blessing it, going through the seasons with it, and above all, loving it. Recognizing that the place that they find themselves, it isn't a departure lounge to wait in on the way to somewhere new, but it is a gift to be received here and now and for the long haul of our lives. Places are not always just to be passed through, but they are so often to be seen as gifts. We see this right the way throughout the story of God. Places are gifts. In Genesis 1 and 2, we've got two takes on the creation narrative. Genesis 1 is very Christopher Nolan-y. It's all about time. And please, no spoiler alerts. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, right? But Genesis... I'm really serious about that, by the way. Okay, no spoilers. But Genesis 1 is all about time. But Genesis 2, it is all about place. It is centered on a place. It is centered on Eden. In Genesis 2, we find that God's initial gifts to humanity, they are his presence and they are a place, a home. And throughout the scriptures, we see that places aren't always just to be moved on from, but they are to be moved into, they are to be fully inhabited. That is why God leads his people from there, from another land to their own land, the promised land to enjoy. It's why the Spirit, as he falls on the church on the day of Pentecost, we hear different languages being spoken so that people can go back to their own towns, their own villages to plant churches and to root a community in a place. Places are a gift from God. That is why at the end of our story in the life of the world that is to come, we're not just going to remain in paradise floating around as disembodied souls, but we will receive God's good and final gift, a holy place, a holy city to live into. This city will descend from the renewed heavens and will be rooted here on the renewed earth where we will live, we will move, and we will have our being forever. Throughout the story of God, we see that places are gifts. So much so that at the center point of our story, at the hinge point, we find Jesus, who John, in remixing Genesis 1 and 2, describes as becoming flesh and making his dwelling amongst us. Or as Peterson would write, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus never lived an abstract or general life. He lived a local life, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. And for three decades, he lived among a particular people in a particular place, working with them, socializing with them, befriending them, serving them. That is why Jesus became known as what? 
Jesus of Nazareth. Have you noticed that saints always come from somewhere? Saint Augustine of Hippo, Saint Teresa of Calcutta, Saint Francis of Assisi. Daniel Grothy, whose book Power of Places shapes so much of what I'm saying today, he says this, if you want to become a saint, if you want to live the Jesus life, you need to be willing to submit to the smallest of prepositions of. Indeed, before the eternal word stretches out his arms on the cross to take on the weight of sin and death, he took on a preposition, Jesus of Nazareth. Even Jesus didn't try to live outside of the community that was right in front of him. Apparently, the way you make a big difference is by giving yourself over to the concerns and to the constraints of a small place. The Jesus life, it is local. It is rooted. It is of a particular place and a particular people. But, but in our imaginations, the good life, the good life, the successful life is marked by living in lots of different places all across the world, right? Never truly settling down. And yet in the way of Jesus, becoming a saint, it may be unspectacular. It may mean that you could be called a homebird, but it is a particularly fulfilling way to live as you root yourself in a place for a very long time. The good life, the beautiful life, it is a committed life, a life that is committed to here, to home, to your neighborhood for as long as you live in that place. And so whether you're going to be living where you're living for a few more months or a few more years or for the rest of your life, let me ask you, are you willing to take on the preposition of the place where you live? Are you willing to become St. Gary of Magabre or St. Darren of Glenavy or St. Leanne of Jamore or St. Alex of Carryduff or St. Bothwell of the Belsize. Please don't ever call me that, all right? <laughs> don't ever call me that. St. Stew of the City of Life sounds so much better. All right, let's stick with that. But, but I'm serious though. Are you willing to associate yourself fully with the place that you live? Living wholeheartedly as an ambassador of Jesus of Nazareth in Jamara or in Balnehinch or in Ballymacash? Are you willing to root your life right where you are for as long as you stay there? So much so that you're not just recognized by your name or your identity in Christ, but also your home place too. Which leads us to Jeremiah chapter 29. Because here we find God's people who were once living in Jerusalem, they were attacked by the Babylonians and they were led from their home city to the city of Babylon. They were held in captivity there. Through the exile, they became a dislocated people. They were held somewhere other than their home, and they were devastated, and they were holding out on God, freeing them and returning back to their home as soon as possible. But as they wait, a letter is sent from the prophet Jeremiah. He's one of the ones that are left in Jerusalem, and he hears from God. He writes down what God has said to him, and he gets the message to those in Babylon. They really didn't want to be there. And so they kind of approach Babylonian life the way that you would check into a hotel. It's temporary. I'm only going to be here for a while. The culture of Babylon, it just didn't quite fit with theirs. Didn't have all the rhythms or rituals or structures or traditions that they were used to. 
And so they would have disassociated themselves from the place that they were living. They kind of sat on the fence. They didn't want to throw themselves into Babylonian life. And then they hear from God. Jeremiah's letter would have been read out and passed around. And through that letter, they find out that they're going to be there for 70 years. As a people group, they weren't going to be stuck there forever. But as a people living there, they were going to be there for decades. And so rather than sit on the fence and just kind of exist, God calls his people, as it says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5, to build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too would have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is the true prosperity gospel, by the way. Babylon was not their dream home. It wasn't their dream city. They were dreaming of the next place rather than devoting themselves to the place that they found themselves. They knew that they weren't going to be forever, but as long as they were there, to use the words of Eugene Peterson, God would say to them, it's going to appear on the screen, you're not camping. This is your home. Make yourself at home. This may not be your favorite place, but it is a place. So dig foundations, construct a habitation, develop the best environment for living that you can. If all that you do is sit around and pine for the time that you're going to get back to Jerusalem, your present lives will be squalid and empty. These people among you, among whom you're living with are not beneath you, nor are they above you. They are your equals with whom that you can engage in the most intimate and responsible of relationships. You cannot be the person God wants you to be if you keep yourself aloof from others. So make yourself at home there and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylon's well-being. Now, I want you to hear what I am saying and what I am not saying today. I am not saying that you need to lock yourself into a lifelong agreement to stay in the same home, the same neighborhood, the same community, the same country forever. Emma and I, we love where we live, but I can't say that we're going to be here forever. It's foolish to say that. Moving is just a normal, and it is so often a good part of living. Moving for work or for love, or for caring for family, or for mission. Moving is a normal, good thing. But I am saying this. For as long as you live where you're living, throw your life into that community. Commit to it. Entangle your life right up in it. Now, I'm speaking today to something that's a bit more under the surface. Because so often we find ourselves daydreaming about the next place rather than considering God's dream for the future where we are right now. So often we end up just kind of camping where we live rather than building a home and digging deep foundations there. For some of us, where we live isn't our favorite place. We wish it would have had more or less of whatever your thing may be. Our locations, they are limited. Anahilt will never have a thriving food truck sign but it does have a chippy van one night of the week, right? Anahilt's limited. Do I wish that it was warmer in Lisburn? 
that there was a beach close by, that there was more art, that there was a Wagamama's and a Bunsen right on my street? Of course I do. I love Wagas. I want there to be one close by. But I live where I live. And I've got to choose that for as long as I live in Lisburn, for as long as I live on the Belsize Road, will I just keep dreaming about the next place? Or will I commit myself to where I'm living and find a fulfilling life right on my doorstep? Jeremiah, he invites the exiles and God invites us not to sit on the fence about where we live, but to do two things, to build houses and to plant gardens. And so whether we are going to be where we're at for months or for years or for decades, despite time frames, God calls us to dig deep foundations, to build a home, a place of permanence, a place that lasts for a while right where we're at, to root ourselves into the rhythm of our community. But we're also to live like gardeners. We're to tend to our communities. We are to cultivate them. Jeremiah's words here of gardeners reminds us of God's invitation to Adam in the garden. It says this in Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And these words in the Hebrew, work, which is the word abad, and keep, which is the word shamar, they crop up right the way throughout the Torah and the Old Testament. And they are words that are used to describe the work of priests, the mediators between God and creation. And priests like Adam and Eve were sent to a sacred space in the garden, but priests in the Old Testament, they would have worked in sacred spaces like temples so that as they tended to those places, as they mediated between God and heaven, blessing would be found in that place and would spread out to the whole of creation. But because we have a great high priest in Jesus who also invites us to live his life in his way, we have been invited right where we are at to live as priests in our neighborhoods, to nurture new creation life, to tend to the kingdom as it blossoms and as it buds around us. We are all priests. If we are in Christ Jesus, that is who we are. We are to minister in the way of the kingdom in our locality. Ministry, priesthood, it is not confined to people that do what I do. We are all priests whenever it comes to the kingdom of God. And we get to work through that exactly where we are. But gardens, good gardens, beautiful gardens, they don't just appear. They take work. There's a thousand small acts that are involved that happen seasonally, year in, year out, that allow for the growth of a garden. And it's the same with this priestly role in our community. Because where we are, of course, we are to herald the goodness of Jesus through the gospel. In word and in deed, we are to be witnesses to his grace and truth. We're to pray for the places that we find ourselves. We're going to do that in a moment as we respond. But working and keeping our communities it also gets really practical. It involves remarkably unspectacular things like joining the PTA or buying locally or joining that community group or befriending our neighbors, being visible, being hospitable, being known in our communities. We mustn't be people who are aloof from other people, but known, recognized, friends, entangled up in the life of our community. We're to be a people who love where we live 
and to love the people that live around us. Or as Jeremiah would write, we're to seek the peace and the prosperity of the place that we live. And peace and prosperity, it can be translated as the word shalom. We're to seek the shalom of our towns and our villages. And by shalom, I mean this. It's going to appear on the screen. Shalom means wholeness. The dynamic, vibrating health of a society that pulses with divinely directed purpose and surges with life-transforming love. I love that. What would it look like for your neighborhood to be saturated by shalom, full of wholeness, full of health, full of purpose, the presence of the divine in his life-transforming love. This summer, we're doing what we're doing through Habits of the Home and through this teaching series, really to do one thing. We want to see a prophetic imagination just begin to bubble within each of us, from the youngest members of Lagan Valley Vineyard right the way to the oldest. We want to dream We want to consider what God's dreams of the future are and how those future dreams shape our present reality. We want to foster this prophetic imagination. And the future of all of creation, the future of this world, the future of your community, the future of Magabri and Legacurry and Demurry, the future is shalom. That is where the story is taking us. The future that lies ahead, the Revelation 21, 22, renewal of everything future, it is marked by shalom. It is flourishing, it is beauty, it is delight, and it is the presence of Jesus encompassing everything as the waters cover the sea. And this shalom, this good future, it isn't just kind of locked away. It is beginning to bud. It is beginning to bear fruit in the places that we live. Jesus is already at work renewing his creation, making his life available to actual people in actual places. The kingdom is at hand right on your doorstep, and we get to join in with what Jesus is doing as we seek the shalom of the places in which we live. But here's the thing. We mustn't approach our communities like campers, but instead like architects, or builders, or gardeners. Our imaginations must be stirred with a dream of what our communities could look like. And then a deep commitment to do the work, to be a part of seeing the Savior's shalom flourish right in the present moment. If you're new here, if you've just been around us or you're visiting for the first time this Sunday, it might be helpful for you to know that at Lagan Valley Vineyard, we have a vision and we have a dream. Our vision is that we would be a church that is on fire, burning, fueled by the power of the Spirit for Jesus and his kingdom. But we have a dream, and that dream is to see this entire valley come alive. A valley where every person and every part, every place is full of the life and the grace and the peace of Jesus. We long for the Lagan Valley, not just Lagan Valley Vineyard, but the Lagan Valley to prosper, to be renewed. But we as a church will only ever be able to carry that dream and see that dream bear fruit if we become the kind of people who commit to the places that we live, who root ourselves 
deeply in the ground of our home and our streets and our communities, no longer just kind of camping there, but committing our lives to our home places. I said it once and I'll say it again. Fruitful trees have deep, deep roots. And so if we want to see the kingdom blossom amongst us, we need to root ourselves here. We need to live locally and we need to seek shalom. The Jesus life, it is a local life. Saints always come from somewhere and you may be where you're living for just a short time or maybe for the rest of your life. But for as long as you live right there, may you receive your place as a gift. May you root yourself deeply. May you bear much fruit. May you take on your own vow of stability as you serve that place, as you bless it and as you love it. And may you come to see that your fulfillment, your joy, and the purpose of a holy vocation is found as you begin to see yourself as a priest, as saint, insert your name, of insert your place. If you're able, can I invite you to stand with me? Lucy, Becky, why don't you guys come on up? We're going to take a moment to worship and we're going to take a moment to pray. Um, can I invite you just to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that? As we come to respond, I'd love for you just to play with me for a second. Visualize your journey here today. Consider opening up your front door and what you saw as you stepped outside. And if you walked here or got picked up to come here or you jumped in a car, consider coming out of the driveway or out on the street and consider the houses that were around you. Consider the buildings that were close by your home, the schools, the shops, all the buildings. Consider the roads that you turned down to get here, the communities that you passed through, the flags that you saw, the rivers that you crossed, the fields that were left and right of you. Here's the thing. The future of each of those places that are in your head right now, their future is shalom. And as shalom seekers, as Jeremiah asked us to, we are invited to pray for those places. And so why don't you, right where you are, just begin to do that. You can do it out loud. You can do it silently. I don't mind. But just begin to pray for each of those places. Begin to pray for your town, your village, your street. Just begin to pray. If prayer is a new thing for you, let me just help you out for a moment. Jesus taught us a prayer and a line of that prayer was, God, let your kingdom come and may your will be done as it is in heaven. But why don't you take a moment to pray, may your will be done in, and then insert your place, Lisburn, McGabry, Jamore, as it is in heaven. I just pray that over and over and over again. May your will be done in Ballymacash as it is in heaven. May your will be done in Legacurry as it is in heaven. May your will be done in Finicky as it is in heaven. May your will be done in Old Warren as it is in heaven. Just, just begin to pray those words for your place. It's going to take 30 more seconds to do this, and we're not going to rush it.
pray for the places that you live. Pray for the people within it. Pray for your neighbors. Name your neighbors. I want to take a moment to pray for some of you, particularly those of you who, as I've been speaking, and also I expect as Ian has been praying, that you just sense the Spirit is doing something within you. You feel stirred. And if you're honest, you feel as if actually, you know what, I've been camping where I've been living rather than committing deeply to it. And so I'd love to, I'd love to pray for some of you, if that is you today. Now, one thing before I do pray. Some of you might feel a bit heavy as I pray this prayer, or you might be feeling quite heavy in this moment. And whenever we feel heaviness, we sometimes think that it is guilt. But sometimes... Um, the, the heaviness we feel is not necessarily like heaviness because of guilt, but actually it's a weightiness, it's like a holy weightiness because God is convicting us of something. Here's the thing about Jesus and here's the thing about me. I'm not overly interested in guilt. Guilt is us being reminded of something that we've done or haven't done in the past, but conviction is about us being released into God's future. And I'm much more interested about conviction. And so if you feel a sense of weightiness, a holy weightiness, about actually I want to commit to the place that I live for as long as I live there, whether that is weeks, months, years, decades. I'd love to pray for you. And I'd love to pray that the place that you live, it captures your heart. And so if that is you, and if you want me to pray for you, if you want to respond today, can I just ask you just to place your hand on your heart? We do this all the time, just as a simple sign of God, we're available for you. If you want to commit to the place that you live, Root yourself deeply in it. Receive the holy vocation of being a priest in it. Would you just place your hand on your heart? I'd love to pray. Holy Spirit, would you bless my friends? And I pray that you would release them to fully inhabit the place that they live, to root themselves deeply. I pray that these people would be seekers of shalom in the places that you have sent them to. And I pray that your kingdom would be made known through them. So spirit, empower them and release them and fill them afresh for the task that is at hand. If you are responding, can I invite you? I'm not going to like hand out pieces of paper for you need to sign like a vow of stability but right where you are just between you and Jesus would you make a bit of a vow with him in your own words at your own pace just God I'm committing myself to Carrie Duff or to Jamara or to Lega Curry or Anna Hilt I'm committing myself to my neighbours to my workplace to the place that I go every single day and as you do that, we're going to take a moment to worship. And we're going to, we're going to worship in a song that's probably very familiar to many of you, but so often it's a song that we can sing, and as we sing it, we just think about ourselves and about the hope that we have. But I want you to use this song as a song, yes, for you as a song of celebration for your life, but I want you to also use it as a song of intercession that the hope that you carry would also be the hope that is released in the communities around you, that there be many that surround you that actually in time would be able to sing these songs and to own these words as their very own. So let's sing together, let's worship, let's continue to respond, and let's pray for our communities so that they may prosper and that we would prosper in turn. Let's worship.